Pharmacy Podcast Nation and especially our community pharmacy owners. Do you ever feel like you're getting pushed to do more with less? There's a product out there I'd like you to take a look at. Doing more for your pharmacy and more for your patients is important. Talking about the Pen Needle UltiGuard Safe Pack. For the same copay for your patients as pen needles alone, the UltiGuard Safe Pack provides 100 premium pen needles and a sharps container all in one. When pharmacies dispense the pen needle UltiGuard Safe Pack, they see consistently higher revenue and higher margins. Check this product out today and let us know what you think. Go to www.altiguardsafepack forward slash podcast. That's altiguardsafepack forward slash podcast. You can get a free sample pack on the website. Thanks for all you do as frontline healthcare providers. And thank you for listening to the Pharmacy Podcast. listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. You are listening to the Medical Podcast, a podcast publication, part of the Pharmacy Podcast Network. The Medical Podcast is dedicated to pharmacists, healthcare professionals, and is devoted to delivering accurate, timely, cutting-edge information about medical marijuana. We will bring you the most up-to-date scientific, political, regulatory, financial, and interesting information not available on any other podcast program. Not since Silicon Valley and the technology boom have we seen the likes of any other industry that has grown this fast over a relatively short period of time. The medical marijuana industry is projected to hit the 30 billion mark in the next five years. The medical cannabis industry has the potential of helping billions of people around the globe, but at a significant social, economical, and political cost. Our goal is to answer some of your questions, plus heighten, enlighten, confuse, and frustrate you all at the same time. So fasten your seatbelts, keep your eyes on the road, and get ready for some fun. And now, here's your host, registered pharmacist, life student, and medical cannabis professional, Joseph Friedman. Welcome, everybody, to the next episode of the Medical Podcast, part of the Pharmacy Podcast Network. This is Joseph Friedman, pharmacist and dispensary owner, uh, and I'm very excited about the guest that I have here today. Um, her name is Shanna Perry. For the last 10 years, Shanna has been entrenched in the American cannabis industry. She lived and worked in uh, multiple places, including uh, West Palm Beach, Los Angeles, Denver, New York, and Las Vegas. And after earning her degree in audio engineering and broadcasting, she served as director of events, of events for five CBS AM FM radio stations. Uh, she left that position in 2010 and became interested in learning more about the cannabis industry and how she could position herself for a successful career in this space. So motivated to self-educate, and I think a lot of us have done this, she lived in Denver, New York, Florida, and Las Vegas. Each move brought new knowledge, new experiences, and a greater understanding of economics and the can in the cannabis industry. 
Uh, now, more recently in 2014, recognizing Nevada was positioned for enormous growth in both medical and rec cannabis channels, Shanna took up residence in Vegas and became an original member of the Las Vegas Medical Marijuana Association. Pioneering herself into the industry's foundation, she was the first professional to successfully present and sell mainstream advertisers to a leading Nevada-based medical cannabis lifestyle publication. She moved easily from media to advising, honing her brand. Uh, her brand is Shannabis at conventions and within the industry, strategically using social media platforms that's enabled her to build her contact list along with her brand. Um, within three years, she became one of Las Vegas' most influential and trusted advocates for cannabis. Uh, and as a bona fide consultant on all aspects of cannabis, Shanna has served as an advisor to government regulators. That's interesting. We're going to talk about that, Shanna. Business owners, law enforcement, physicians, and attorneys globally. You know, I've gotten to know her for her honesty, vitality, and passion for the cannabis industry. Uh, her well-roundedness and education, coupled with her personal and professional experiences, are the cornerstones of Shannabis, making her truly one of the cannabis industry's most valuable resources. So, sorry for the long intro, uh, Shanna. Oh, thank you so much, Joseph. That was that was awesome. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's it's you know it's weird to hear other people say you know talk about you. It's it's always a a, a great pleasure, and it's, it gives you a tingle. So thank. Thank you so much for having me. I, I really appreciate this. Uh, yes, I've uh, dedicated my soul <laughs> to cannabis uh, pretty much my whole life. But really, you know, 10 years ago was my, you know, next chapter. What's my next career? You know, unfortunately, radio, <laughs> um, you know, it was in uh, the thriving new marketplace uh, like cannabis. So I've been on this adventure, basically uh, learning as much as I possibly can about medical cannabis, recreational cannabis, uh, industrial hemp. And um, I, you know, I stick by not blowing smoke up people's behinds <laughs> as much as possible for that almighty dollar. And in turn, um, that takes a lot of time. Uh, but I'm happy to be here and, and thank you for having me. Okay, well, well, let's talk about, some, you know, clinical trials or the lack thereof and the reason why we really need legalization in this nation. Well, let me break down, you know, let me do this in as layman terms as possible. So the biggest difference between states like California and Nevada, they had the same uh, laws on the books since 2000. The difference is California allowed for a patient marketplace to thrive. In that patient marketplace, a lot of people call it the gray market. Basically, anybody that had a, a physician's recommendation could go out and not only grow their own in their home, but actually uh, create a nonprofit business model, which is what has transpired in California for the last, you know, since the late 90s. So it opened up uh, a free enterprise for, you know, basically the um, street entrepreneurs to be able to uh, come up and, and move into the corporate chain of things. A place like Nevada, um, they never allowed that to happen. Only it was, it wasn't until 2014 where uh, they allowed for the medical cannabis laws to allow for special use permitting, just like a casino. And a lot of large money corporations, uh, you know, existing casino owners, uh, media in, uh, industry professionals, real estate moguls, uh, all got the licensing. 
very, uh, I don't believe any patient organization actually got a uh, permit to work in the cannabis industry in Nevada. So you have two completely different uh, foundations of industry, right? All doing the same thing. So in order for, um, you know, the thrive, the, the, industry to regulate itself, a place like California that had zero regulation. They had great free enterprise, but they had zero regulation, which, you know, if we learn anything from our history of, you know, the, um, of prohibition, we know that, that in turn, you know, people giggle and laugh and then use the term prohibition and throw it around and, and dress up like Bonnie and Clyde. But the definition of that is people killing people over money and, and, and product, uh, people, you know, uh, we know what that defines. Whereas in more of a corporate realm, the, the, it's the same game. It's the same game. The difference is you're on paper. So we have now this industry, which is completely different from not only state, county, um, to the policing. So what Nevada was able to do with the corporate structure is to allow for uh, licensing for testing laboratories that had to be regulated by the state um, going into the government regulations. We would go in for, I mean, for three years, we would go into meetings with Department of Agriculture. It would be, um, you know, the patient advocates, the people that worked in ancillary companies, then you had the license holders, and then you had uh, all the different government uh, from, you know, county to city to uh, agriculture, all figuring out, okay, what do we need to do to regulate this? What are going to be the testing standards? The biggest thing I see in testing, the biggest, pro the biggest problem in testing is that every lab from Florida to Kansas to Nevada to, to California... If you look at a COA, all of those limits of quantitation, those standards, that 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 main uh, foundation of what you have to pass is all different. Every piece of equipment, and not only that, because of the lack of regulation, if you have a testing lab in a place like Nevada, the state goes in and polices them. There, there's, you know, they, they have a, ca a cannabis commission now in Nevada. So they actually go in and police. So it avoids more of the prohibition tactics of people trying to, you know, do business and make money. Whereas in a place like, well, California is just now, you know, they're, they're moving into that realm, Arizona. Right now, Arizona, their products and their dispensaries have never been tested. That's interesting, Shanna. And, and, you know, just, just a couple of things come to mind. I, I know in Illinois, um, you know, it was a state lab or not a state lab, but a state licensed lab that did all the testing and products needed to go through, uh, you know, that whole testing process to ensure, you know, no insect legs, you know, no, no impurities, no heavy metals and so forth. Now, also another thing about Nevada that came to mind, I had a pharmacist who shadowed me in my dispensary in Illinois who came from Nevada. And when Nevada went from medical only to rec, uh, her, her issue or her opportunity, if you have it, was to you know, learn and consult because patients were left out. In the rec market, you walk in, you're a patient, no one's going to know 
you know, what healthcare is or what a what a what what your condition is, the drugs that you're on and things like that. So what do you have to say about you know the fact that the medical patient has been kind of left out in Nevada? Well, here's the thing. The medical patient gets left out the second you deviate from one specific product. So at the foundation, the problem is consistency and supply. We're not even close to that. Not only that, now we have this CBD hemp market that has created so much chaos that the the patient is really uh, uh, has has nothing because you have a bunch of people that you know going back to prohibition days you have a bunch of people that sold seeds from the source to people that threw these seeds outdoors to try to create a stable genetic which is impossible that way because you have to use your clone or your tissue culture from that same seed to even get close to stabilizing a genetic. And now you have massive amounts of really crappy pot, (laughs) basically, uh, being grown outdoors with the promise and all these other uh, businesses being built around it with the promise of, oh, extraction at this percent, blah, 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 you know, we live in a world, and, and this, is, this, this is what I find is the, the fundamental problem. We live in a world where if we ask each other a question right now and we don't know the answer, we have God in our hand. We go to our phone and we ask the question and it gives us an answer. Cannabis has no answers. We have just begun making discoveries. We are still so much in the research and development phase, but we have an entire, we have thousands of businesses putting the cart before the horse because they're trying to run to be, uh, you know, to sell as much pot as they can and make as much money and da da da. And it's all about money, right? So, right. but here's the thing the billion dollar and trillion dollar market is in the stabilization of the genetic into a specific medicine or product or whatever you want to call your consumable and in what administration method and turning it into a drug. So what needs to happen for that to happen? Uh, Well, uh, unfortunately, a lot of the money's already been spent. Um, You know, basically, there's people that, uh, you know, have studied this aspect of it and, you know, through the physician, through doctors and researchers and government grants, you know, uh, number one is is, uh, we need to legalize. We we need to decriminalize. We decriminalize. It allows for people to uh, apply for grants, uh, get private funding in order to conduct clinical trials, but share that information and that data collected with, you know, those parties, whether it's government or medical institutions or what have you, and move forward. You know, the one of the best things for cannabis to come out of COVID is all of this discussion about therapeutics and this fast tracking of vaccines, because now the floodgates have been open. And somebody, you know, like myself, people that are navigators, people that know uh, that that have the experience and the education through, you know, their networks and the back doors and the and you know the the, the streets, <laughs> through walking the walk, walking in the shoes. There's a really great opportunity right now if done correctly. 
So and we, well, there's a there's a lot of pharmacists listening to this broadcast, and you know, what kind of advice would you be giving them, given the difficulties and you know the the the, the, the federal uh, reluctance to legalize and the studies? I mean, are are we risking our licenses in this industry? No, and here's why: the biggest conversation that's not being had is the difference between synthetic drugs and natural plant therapies. So if I go to my pharmacist, do they tell me if I take St. John's wort, how does it interact with my prescription? If I take fish oil, if I take uh, vitamin D, if I take, do, do all supplements or are all supplements studied for drug interactions with synthetic compounds out of pharmacies? There is um, databases that uh, do attempt to do that, but most of the drug interaction information out there is just drug versus drug. And, you know, uh, marijuana or cannabis is in a lot of those uh, databases. Uh, you, you know, and, and then that, that brings another another point is, you know, you mentioned CBD now, you know, there's, you know, I know the FDA came down on, on about 15 CBD companies for false labeling and false advertising. Um, you know, where, why, why are we having this issue with this market? I, I realize, you know, lack of regulation is causing a lot of this, but. Well, this has gone on and continues to go to, go on for, you know, over a hundred years. We had it with uh, the Italians bringing in oil that was diluted or uh, sold as something it wasn't. You know, luckily now we have more testing than, than just sampling. Um, we also had the vitamin, the supplements industry. They're, they're still, they're still regulating. Um, you know, the fact is, uh, you know, I, I think about counterfeit purses. Count, you know, people, people sell transacting counterfeit purses and, and clothing and, and goods all the time. We have counterfeit everywhere. And again, because this plant is so beneficial and can do so much and we're barely, we're barely touching it right now. So many people were able to, you know, thieve and rob and fraud people because of the passion that exists around the advocates in this industry and, and what this plant can really do. Because when you know, you know. And a lot of times people's passions, uh, it happened to me, a lot of times people's passions can pull the wool over your eyes because you want to feel good, especially when you're dealing with sick people, especially when you're talking about a plant that has a compound like THC that we know attacks and kills cancer cells. Now, what do we do about that is the next question. Not how much can we make of it, not yet. It's how much more proof do we need and why can't we use this to study? Why can't we study this? What's, what's wrong with being able to have a clinical research trial that the government supports you know, why can't we? We're allowed to do it with mustard gas. That's chemo. You right. know, we can we can study mustard gas, but we can't study cannabis. Right. There's well, something what, what seriously about, wrong. Well, what do you say about, I mean, you know, a couple of years ago, the FDA did approve um, Epidiolex, you know, for two uh, uh, childhood seizure disorders. Um, you know, so now we've got this. So what does this say as far as the story on, okay, is this big pharma now getting into this and they're going to take over? Or, um, and is the FDA 
privy or going to be uh, preferential to these pharmaceutical companies rather than the mom and pop dispensaries that are out there. And plus, cannabis, um, you know, was legalized first for medical in California. Wasn't that 1996? Yeah, it was uh, about then, 1996, uh, during the AIDS crisis. Well, here's the thing. You know, one of the biggest uh, lies that people, I believe, that believe is that big pharma is coming. No, they were here. They were here in 1996. They patented THC in the 90s. They made a synthetic compound called Marinol, synthetic THC, that people still take to this day. In 2004, the U.S. government patented CBD. CBD only is patented by the United States government. So anybody that plans on utilizing this going forward in a, in a legal realm needs to uh, deal with that. Not only is CBD, CBD is also a synthetic compound. So here's the other problem with going back to the uh, CBD industry. Number one, you know, I tell people all the time, like, oh, I, I see that you're in the CBD hemp industry. I said, no, I'm in the cannabis industry. That's a nickname and CBD is just one ingredient. Out of, a, out of hundreds, because they've already syn synthesized that as well. A lot of times, the isolates, things like that, um, if it was real, a lot of it is it can be synthetic. There's, there's, if it's, you know, when I talk to, uh, you know, the uh, the scientists at the labs, you know, I had this, you know, theoretical discussion because you know we can't we can't really prove it yet, but their instrumentation. If, if you put a, a gram of isolate under their instrumentation, they can tell you if it tests out or not, but they can't tell you the source of that isolate. Now, the theory is if that needle doesn't jump at all and it's only CBD material in there, synthesized compound, if you have some terpenes, another cannabis, if you have a pop of any kind of other compound besides just CBD in there that, that comes from cannabis, then you're probably looking at, you know, extracted plant material. Um, so, you know, the difference between the synthetics versus the natural herbal therapeutics is, you know, the biggest part of this. And that's not discussed enough, in my opinion. No, yeah, yeah. So what are the interactions between, you know, there should be studies, I, I believe there should be quite a few out there, you know, with the interaction of Marinol or, you know, now going into Epidiolex, what are their drug interactions with, you know, uh, whatever other anti-seizure medications that, that their patients could have been under? I mean, obviously, if they do a clinical trial, they should have them under nothing else. But again, we don't know that. That's why we're still in research phase. That's why there's the billion-dollar company question, the trillion-dollar industry question. Now, you you did mention, um, and we did have a discussion about this, is you know, nanotechnology and how a lot of these um, CBD companies are claiming that they've got nanoparticles. Um, I am not aware of any pharmaceutical yet um, that is based on nanotechnology. What do you have to say about that? So when the term nanotechnology, water soluble, blah, 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 if anybody's ever seen a magician throw baking soda into water and mix it up, and this goes back to a lot of people have so much passion, they don't see what's really going on in front of them. Um, so nanotechnology, number one, 
nanotechnology in drugs or uh, uh, compounds is not being used in, in the pharmaceutical and in pharmaceuticals, as you said. Doctors do not prescribe nano uh, drugs, right? This uh, concept of it being a faster absorption rate and blah, blah, blah. Again, you're giving somebody a nano. Nano stands for nanogram. Nano, a billion times, it's symbol, a billion times less than a million milligram. So even if it does absorb faster, even if that theory is proven down the line and that's actually become, that's actually a thing, having a billion of a dose less, how effective is that? We don't know. And that's the point. People are going around and selling lies. They're, they're blatant, bull-faced lies. Um, they want to tell you, they also want to sell you that same, if, if they can get 10 bucks for that milligram, why wouldn't they sell you a nanogram for $10? Because they're not going to charge you less. Actually, they're going to charge you more for less. And that's plus the there, hustle. Are, there are potentially... That's the swindle. Right. And potentially there's um, some dangers with particles that small and getting into various uh, organ systems, systems of the body through the blood-brain barrier that can uh, be deleterious, uh, you know, for the patient. One of the other things I wanted to ask you about was, you know, and this always comes up, the vape crisis and what's behind it. I know the opposition loves to talk about the legal market and how... You know, these cartridges are all coming from legal dispensaries causing problems. Now, what is your what has been your feeling about that? Because I think the opposition likes to point at Nevada and California where the issue is. So going back to the lack of regulation, if we're legal and regulated or decriminalized and, and you know, we want to have good businesses, we want to do business with our customers going forward, you know, that's going to happen. That's less likely to happen. However, I recently had an experience when I moved to Arizona and it really opened my eyes. Now, um, you know, in California, you still have these pop-up dispensaries that will pop up, do business for two weeks and shut down. And they're, you know, not having stuff tested. So if people are buying from those places, which you can't even tell really, unless you ask, you know, or if the place has been there for a very long time. Um, so in Arizona, I got some uh, extract and when I consumed it, I didn't feel right. There was something I had, a, I had a reaction. I, that's never happened to me before. Cause I've, you know, I, you know, when it came to oils and waxes before I was in a legal state, I didn't really, I, I, I stayed at arm's length. I just smoked uh, flour, but um, because I knew the potential of, you know, it being a, a, a counterfeit. Right. Mm -hmm. So I got this uh, extract and started looking at where it said ingredients. And this is, this was medical dispensary, Arizona, right? I'm reading the ingredients and I see rosemary as an ingredient, all these flavors and these different. Now, listen, making a tea of rosemary and drinking some of it or putting it on your skin, that's one thing. But as far as inhaling it into our lungs, there's no studies on that. Mm -hmm. There's no proof on that, that that's not harmful. And when I read what reaction there, there I was reading about reactions to rosemary for inhaling it. And a couple things on there was what I was feeling. And right then and there, and this is why come November in Arizona, um, 
they're mandating testing. I actually did an interview back in 2016 with um, one of the chief science officer at a, a NB Can Labs in Vegas, and she tells me at cannabis.com under uh, cannabis and coffee. I interview her as she tells me when she worked in a lab in Arizona, and this would have been back in you know, 14, 13, 14. Uh, people would come in and have like pieces of metal in the bags of cannabis for the weight to make it heavier. They found metal part medical metal particles. They found she told me all kinds of things that they found. So now with the regulation of these labs, because back then anybody can have a lab, and then you're going to pay them, and they're going to tell you what you want to hear for your money, for you to keep coming back. Because if they don't pass you, you're not going to go back, right? right? So for years we've had this payola in labs, California, it, it, California, Oregon, you know, you can't even trust uh, the companies that are saying that they're testing. And then, you know, I see COAs that people have all over their website and these COAs has, have blank spots. The, the one COA to the next has a different limit of quantitation. So you're measuring against a different number. So your outcome is going to be different. You know, there's ways it's called moving the needle and, you know, that has happened way too much. And we need decriminalization so we can not only self-regulate, but bring in the big guns, bring in bring in some regulation. Now, you know, the FDA has been lying to us for years. We have high fructose corn syrup in all of our food killing us. Cigarettes are still readily available and legal. Um, so, you know, they don't really have a leg to stand on. In, in regards to whether or not we can proceed with the study of this plant. Okay. But we need to open it up to save people's lives. Okay, well, we're, we're, we're closing in on, um, you know, uh, the end of this interview, but is there anything else that you'd like to share with uh, the audience here uh, before we sign off? Well, first off, I know you have a lot of uh, people in the medical industry listening, so I want to just thank all of you. I know all of you are on the front lines, you know, through COVID and, and through this process of, you know, helping the sick, especially when they're, you know, not addressing the other illnesses and diseases we have right now going on that we've always had going on. And, you know, building this structure of opening up, this is not a way to, you know, replace any pharmaceuticals out there necessarily. It's a way to have it in combination with or working with, you know, we want to heal people. And if we can make cannabis into medicine that will be a better replacement for a better price moving forward, everybody is going to win. And I want to thank you for uh, the interview and having me on. And I look forward to talking to anybody that wants to contact me, shannabis.com. And I'm here for your advisement services and uh, anything you might need to help develop your company better. Thank you, Shanna. This is, uh, it's been wonderful speaking with you. Uh, everyone out in the pharmacy podcast nation and the medical podcast listeners, thank you very much for listening. And until next time, have a good day.